0: This is The Business Machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team, and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, The Business Machine is firing up. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Business Machine. I'm Brian Town, your host and owner and CEO of Michigan Creative. I say this every time, but we've got a good show today. And all the way from Australia, once again, we've got four or five people now on here from Australia, so I'm excited again to talk to somebody from over there. Kim Barrett is the founder of Your Social Voice, an online marketing and lead generation agency serving experts and small business owners. Using his expertise with Facebook ads and other online lead generation methods, Kim took his agency from zero to $100,000 a month in sales in just under a year. Kim, thanks, man. How you doing?
1: Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So it's Monday over there, and my staff, we were joking around with our staff, and I was just joking. I've got a staff of about 10 over here. I'm like, I'm going to ask him, since it's the day, It's since it's tomorrow there, you could find out what the winning lotto numbers are for me over here in Michigan, couldn't you?
1: I could. I'm just going to, I'll give you one. One of them is six. I can't give you any more than that, but so, that's a big heads up.
0: Let me write that down, Hold on. <laughs> So I really appreciate you uh, coming on our show here in Michigan, and, and uh, I'm glad that you're taking the time out today. So, real quick, somebody comes up to you and you're just walking around or you're hanging out at a dreadful networking party, Kim, and someone comes up to you and says, <laughs> What do you do? What do you tell them? I so say, I put
1: profits in business owners' pockets.
0: I like it. I mean, you got to, that's got to be a win.
1: Yeah, because then they go, Oh, okay. So how do you actually do that? <laughs> so let's talk.
0: <laughs> I hate those 10-second elevator pitches, but you really gotta have one, especially we do a lot of networking around here and and you know, when you're in the business community here in our town, networking's a big deal. And so I think those are important. But I like that one. I might use that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yours, free of shot.
0: So tell us how you started your company and why and when how long you've been doing this and, and what made you decide to do your social voice?
1: Yeah, so uh, we've been running for about three years, and at the start, it was kind of very different to what we're doing now. Um, I'd been in, like, uh, network marketing companies, had my own small business selling supplements online and things like that, and I'd always kind of thought because I I did the networking thing too and I was like how can I actually grow this like I'm happy to speak to people but how can I leverage my time and then have a list of people that I can speak to one after the other versus trying to have to go and just find one pick them up find another one pick them up uh, uh, and do it in a more effective manner so that's when I started looking into online marketing Facebook marketing social media so when we started out we're more so a the very first time I was running the business, we were like a social media. We were doing like social media management, but I quickly found that I didn't really like that, and yep. as well, it was a harder, somewhat of a proposition sometimes because I'd be going, "Well, this is going to help your business." And you know, three years ago, even especially in where I'm from, Perth, Australia, they're like, "Oh yeah, sure, it will." Like, oh, we'll give you a hundred bucks a month or something like that." I was like, "I'm going to need a ton of clients to make any." There's Coming no way.
0: Up. Yeah, we went down that <laughs> path too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so then I said, okay, let's let's look at this from a, a, let me help people generate leads because this is a lot easier to propose to someone and go, hey, look, you make $1,000 per sale, you need 10 leads, that's five sales, $5,000, you know, give me X, Y, Z or, you know, whatever it would end up being. Um, this is it's a lot simpler and it's a lot easier for a business owner to understand because it's going to, like, goes back to that first question you asked me. It helps put profit in their pocket, so they go, is it going to grow my business. It's going to help me make money. Yes. Okay. I will invest versus, oh, I'm not really sure. Can you, can you explain to me how social media works? I was like, I hate that question.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that's such a, cause what do you say to that? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's crazy. So I, I went down the line of, yeah, just, I'm going okay, I'm going to help them generate leads through social media as my chosen platform. Um, and that's a, that's um, how we started it. and that's why, why we started was to help business owners just really make a difference in how a business is done so the people that w- don't necessarily know how to do it we can either teach them how to do it or we can do
0: it for them. Yeah and I think there's you know, something that I want to kind of figure out and really help our listeners figure out because you know, we always hear it, everybody's on Facebook everybody's on Twitter and you know, to get it to manage and just put content on there. Like, I think I was telling somebody about ours and I tell this story a lot. I'm like, you know, Hey, we, we've got here at Michigan creative. We've got a really good following on Twitter and we've got a really good following on Facebook and Pinterest and YouTube and all this other stuff too. And somebody said to me, well, that's great, but what are you doing with it? So it's more, I think there's two parts of it and correct me. I'm wrong, but you know, the content is important that you're putting on there, but that's great if you're just putting this great content on there. Is there something for somebody to do after they read that content? Is that kind of the direction that you guys go? Because you may even work with a company that doesn't necessarily have a huge following on social media.
1: Yeah. Exactly, yeah, that's exactly what we do. And I just recorded a video of this last week. It was like how because we had so many people ask us when we speak to them, like how do you actually get a client from social media? What happens? Right. So after you've got that content, you've you know you've built the relationship and things like that. So what I call like you've got to lead them down the yellow brick rows. So there's gotta be a funnel of some sort to drive them from that content to being able to become a customer, purchase a product or service, whatever it may be for anyone's particular company. So once they understand that process, it's a lot easier to go, okay, cool, I I'm doing this for a reason to drive people this way. But if your marketing is like, obviously, there's the direct response side as well. If your marketing is good enough, you can still drive and generate leads in business without necessarily having to put a ton of content on the, content on there. But obviously, that's more short-term focus versus you know building the relationship and the content and the value in the marketplace is a lot longer and a lot more of a yeah. great um, foundation strategy that everyone really needs as well.
0: So talk a little bit about, you know, Facebook, you know, we were doing the whole managing uh, social media for people. And, you know, when the new algorithms came out for Facebook, you know, one of the things that started happening is that I might put something up there that's really good content. It's awesome. But then only 14, 15 people see it. One of the things I heard you talk about on a different podcast, and I was really interested to hear more about that process is it's not just as easy as putting a photo and here you should contact us you actually go through and and you have things that you know work or you test out certain things for clients. Like one image may work and a link and then a different image may work better. So then you tailor the content based on on what image works. Is that, am I kind of right in that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's always a, a iteration a iterative process. So you have to test and see what works. But as you say as, as well, especially on Facebook, it's um you know the the algorithm has changed. So you need to be able to you need to be spending money for people to see your content right. unless you have a hyperactive community. And I have one client um, and they're good friends of mine. They have just the craziest community that they've tapped into. And like I haven't had to do any um, anything for them, and they're good friends of mine. So we kind of do it as like a, a bit of a contra deal. But they are setting up a cat cafe here in Perth. And and because they got crazy cat lovers their page is ballistic like hundreds of, I'm sure hundreds of shares and it's all from people in Perth that love it and like they've got you know 15,000 likes on their facebook page and they only started you know 6 months ago yeah yeah uh, so it's you know if you have the crazy fan audience you'll still get it but still you know of the tw- they they get 100 likes maybe 200 comments but that's of 12,000 people that like their page it's still a very small uh, proportion
0: Right. And so you get somebody that really doesn't have that exciting of a product and and maybe like a plumber, like you're probably not going to get great reach unless you're spending some money on some ads. And in particular, certain types of ads that are going to attract the kind of leads that you want to get.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it, it, you know, it's, um, it's a harder process, but I suppose that's, that's really why, you know, people like myself and I, we have, we have, we we have businesses and jobs is because most people don't understand it. And it's our job to be able to educate and help them with that.
0: What do you say to a client that says there's, cause you probably get this a lot. There's so much, I mean, there's Twitter, there's Instagram now Periscope and there's um, Pinterest and YouTube. And do we need to be on all of them? Because that's what, I think that's what, that's what a business owner feels like. Like, well, if, if I'm on Facebook, I better be on Twitter. And if I'm on Twitter, I better be on Instagram. Does everybody uh- need to be everywhere?
1: Um, in a perfect
0: world yes that would be awesome but it's just not (laughs) possible i don't (laughs) think
1: yeah depending on you know if you've got you know like fifty thousand dollars a month you want to spend on paying people to do it all for you sure but (laughs) i mean realistically i think (laughs) and they should call you
0: too right if they have fifty thousand a month yeah
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) um but like have a have a baseline like i kind of think like the the baseline everyone be on facebook just it's, it's easy it's everywhere um Just have that as your base and then go, okay, what is the product or service that we have to offer? And then go, once you've gotten, if you're doing it yourself, for example, once you've gotten really good at Facebook, okay, next I'm going to go to uh, maybe Instagram because I have a very visual product or I'm going to go to YouTube or Periscope, whatever that may be. I think there's a lot of pressure, especially on like, for example, digital marketing companies and like creative companies like yourself and I like, everyone's like, well, you should be everywhere. Yeah, and at the start of the year, we sat down and we go, okay, cool. We wanted to be everywhere. We Wanted to be on Pinterest, all these other sorts of things. And we said, okay, actually, know. let's just make it simple. We dominate. We we promote that we're on. What well, we push Facebook. So Facebook has got to be number one. Instagram a short second, and YouTube video because we're good. Like we like we enjoy video. We're good on video. Let's just focus on those three and just absolutely just dominate them. Whatever else comes, we're on or on Twitter and other you things. You got a too. great
0: following on Twitter too, so.
1: Yeah, so we want to push it across like we still have that but we want to make sure that, you know, effectively we are on ones that we can get the most – and and linked into actually and get the most business from but also that's the ones we like the best because then when people come to us and they go, well, you're on everything, how come you're saying I shouldn't be on everything? (laughs) me We choose the ones that we like the best. Yeah. And then as well, once you have a system for it, it's easy to hand that to a staff member, maybe a virtual assistant, and go, this is our system and process for this platform. We want to keep replicating that and and improving it. And then we move on to the next one because it's like everyone, like whilst there is sometimes what they call, you know, like the land rush, like at the moment I'm big on Snapchat because Gary Vaynerchuk's pushing it. Everyone's saying, get on Snapchat. So I'm on well, there. Well, if but-
0: Gary's on it, then <laughs> we got to all be on it.
1: Yeah, exactly. But so if they're pushing it, it's like, it's a great platform to be on, and I'll do it. But I'm not. Uh, I know this. It's going to be there for a while. Like you know, it's not going to be. It's not going to drop off dramatically. Like I want to be there, obviously, at the start. Same as when Facebook ads came out, you wanted to be the first people in there because it was so cheap. But I don't think that there's a. Um, Like social media is not going anywhere soon. So, if it takes you six months to get your strategy down for one platform, that's okay. If you're still a fledgling business, like do that and then move on to the next one. Like, otherwise, you just get overwhelmed and you won't do anything well.
0: Yeah, that, yeah. And I get that. And you really got to focus on the ones we finally did the same thing and decided what we're going to really push and be popular. You know, there, and there's just new ones that come out all the time and you never know which ones are going to be a good fit. And I also think, though, and maybe you do have this discussion with your clients, I'm sure you do, that some network, Some social networks may not fit for that particular client because his leads or her leads or her customers are not necessarily using that. Or yep. do you find that a lot of people? Because because I, I know some people are on Instagram at a certain age. It depends on Twitter, and then you know I think you're right. Everybody's on Facebook, but you know some somebody might say to you like, "Well, we really need to be on Instagram," and then you say, "Well, you don't because none of your clients are there."
1: Yeah, exactly. We always go. Who is, who is there, you know, who's their avatar, who they want to work with? And if they're not there, then don't be there. Um, you know, there's no, there's no real point. There's no benefit of it. You know, you've always got to do kind of like the opportunity cost analysis for it. It's like, if I'm going to go spend all this time on there, but none of my clients are there, is there a future payoff? Is that why I'm doing it? Or is there an immediate payoff? Is that why I'm doing it? If it's neither of those, then it's like, well, actually, let's not even bother. Yeah. Let's just do what, we, what what works well and just emphasize and amplify that.
0: So I want to put you on the spot here and I want to talk about what what you think your business is going to look like in 10 years and we'll do that in a second but since you are known pretty well across the globe as the Facebook expert I am always curious and and what you think you know we're going to look at Facebook in 10 years I and mean, one do you think it's going to be here and number 2 if so what's it going to look like
1: I feel like Facebook um, will definitely still be there in ten years. I yeah. feel like it's kind of split out. Like I was reading on a website this morning, they're looking at doing um, the, uh, or it's unconfirmed, but they're looking at having the Messenger app as a app on Mac desktop. So I run a Mac, so as opposed to, so it's going splitting out from the browser to being an actual each component being an app within itself. Like I know they're trying to push the Facebook search. Obviously, they've got a big push for video at the moment. Oh, yeah. You can host post your videos now on Facebook and then embed that on your website and stuff so I think it's only going to keep growing um, just because of the mass market appeal it has and, and it's and it is everywhere it's I think there probably be certain components of it that split up or split off that will still be part of the Facebook brand um, but really you know I don't think I don't see them going anywhere
0: yeah I don't, yeah I don't either I think it's I think you're right about how, how they're gonna split off and the messengers already splitting off on the phone you know I had split off on the phone and and I want to talk about video too but because um, video, I think, 2016, 2015, 2016 is really the year of online video. It already has, I think, most of 2015. Not that it wasn't here before that, but I think if you look at your Facebook feed, every other post is an automatic playing video.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's it's everywhere. So it's got to, people have to, you know, jump on board with that for sure. And then obviously that marries across to you know videos where you're going, and marries across to the other platforms yeah. that have video on them as
0: well. So what does it look like? What what does your social voice look like in 10 years? And I think as a creative marketing company, you're going to have to evolve every other week. But where do you see? I like 10 years. I know that's a long time from now, but I like 10 years because, and I don't really want to know your strategy or how you're going to get there. I just, you know, if you could fly through your office, what's it look like? And and what do you see happening? And, And what are you guys going to be doing by then?
1: It's funny because we've got. I got. I bought this book just before Christmas it's called the Daily Greatness Business Plan. I think they're Australian-based mm-hmm. company, but they part of theirs set your business vision for. One year, three years, five years, and ten years. I yeah. just did it last night, so uh, <laughs> perfect. Prepared me for it. So essentially, I I, I think we'd be a, um, a relatively um, large agency, still specialising in lead generation from the social media platforms. Um, and I think we and we are like a, the most of the team at the moment, myself and um, Gavin and a few other people we have on board are really good um, speakers as well and presenters. So I'm, I'm looking at build. Uh, I'd love to see us have that as an arm of our business, which is educating people um, on how everything works and you know, what's yeah. the latest in the digital. In the digital space and things like that, so my aim, like financially, would be love to be like a fifty million dollar company, and you know potentially have someone wanting to buy us out would be um, would be great. I lo- there's a um, I know you got a, a question later on about the favorite business book, which I'll I'll talk about then. But I've always had that as kind of a um, an aim would be like, not necessarily that I would sell. But it would love to
0: <laughs> that's be right. To
1: the, be to the position where someone would want, to, like, if you had it set up so someone would want to buy it, I think that's a pretty good position to be in.
0: Yeah, I'd just like to get that phone call and that offer. You know, even if it was small, I just because no one's done it to us. We're only about four and a half years old, but I think that call would be cool. Yeah, definitely. They'd probably call and say, "Hey, we want to buy your business for like twenty bucks." I'd still be excited about that because that'd still be that phone call. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay that's great <laughs>
1: so that's where i would love to be in 10 years and you know yeah, I, uh, I we would have a pretty big um office i would like to think and pretty cool like google-esque kind of layout you know yeah. like really cool fun place to be
0: you know and i that's when i was building and you know, i was a high school teacher i taught video and film for 15 years before this and so running a business for me was relatively new and and you know i think we've fallen into it and i think we've done a pretty good job over these last four years and i was talking to somebody just the other day because i'm always wondering like okay are there is there going to be a need for video people? Or are there is there going to be a need for marketers? And you know, somebody said to me, there, there's always going to be need for somebody who's an expert or somebody that can help you generate more business or more leads. And I think no matter where technology goes or where business goes, I still think that's the case. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think it's not going to yeah it's it's not going to change. It's always going to be the need there. There always has been. You know, they're probably there. I will say that always will be.
0: So we talk about the machine a lot here, and the reason why we came up with the name Business Machine is because a lot of different reasons. But one, as a CEO, and, and sometimes, and I think you did too, it kind of started by yourself. And as you started to grow, you started to bring on new people that could help you do, or they could be pieces of your machine for you. But what do you do because i know if you're anything like me and a lot of business owners we get pulled in a lot of different directions and so focus for me is a a real hard thing i've got to focus on just one or two things sometimes to get them done so what do you do to make sure that you're not getting burned out and if you want to be that 50 million dollar company that somebody's going to buy out you can't just work four or five hours a day but what are you doing kim right now to make sure that your machine is running and also, that your personal machine yourself is not going to burn out or run out of gas.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, um, I've always, like, I love looking at things like uh, optimizing performance, like, you know, nootropics, things like that as well, um, to try and optimize and get the most out of it and be most effective with my time. Because, like, probably at the moment, I'm minimum would work, I would say, 12 hours in the day um, across across the board.
0: Yeah, but I, he- I my- heard you were a little bit of a workaholic.
1: Yeah, so even if I'm, let's just say I'm, I'm, that's uh, uh, 10% more productive than anyone else, I'm really doing, okay, 13 hours in a day. I'm still getting so much, I'm, I'm getting so much done within that time frame, um, but then I still have to make time throughout the day, like I, and number one obviously is a health priority. I have a, I'm standing at the moment at my stand-up desk, drink lots of water, try and eat healthily. Um, go to, I love going to the gym. Myself and Gavin, we both enjoy um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like I try and do that whenever I can. It's just sometimes my class is the the times of where the gym I train at is not that effective for me, but try and make sure I stay on top of those things because that then allows me to run the business more effectively. And this year, um, because I'll take a lot of client work home with me as well and and do it when I was last year we had a home office. So my aim this year is past 5 p.m., basically once I'm back at home working in the home office, um, is to focus only on um, building uh, my business and amplifying yeah. what we're doing versus working on client things. Because if I'm still working on client stuff at that point in time, uh, uh, my, one of my friends gave me a good question. He's like, if you're still working at 10 o'clock at night on client work, what happened? Who wh- Who's not in place or what did you not do effectively for that to be the case?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. I've, I've taken that question and gone, okay, cool. How can I apply that? So if I'm working at home, maybe emergency, you know, I'll, 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 I'll jump in and fix something, but otherwise it's focusing more on how we can grow, Um, our business after those hours as opposed to um, all the other client work.
0: Yeah, and somebody said this is a pretty, you know, uh, this line is said a lot, but you have to spend time working on your business, not just at your business.
1: Exactly. Otherwise, it won't grow because otherwise you're basically just uh, being an employee. You're not focusing on business growth or the strategy to take you from one step to the next.
0: Yeah. And we kind of got out of being an employee to run our own company. So yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we, I don't know if it was on a podcast that I heard or something that I read about you too, but you know, it was funny because you know, when I was an employee too, we were working on days that we had to work and, and I think Christmas Eve and or New Year's Eve, you know, we had to work on those days. And so when we got our own company, we were still working, but we chose yeah. to work. <laughs> so yeah, it exactly. was a little better, but it was our choice. So it was fine. Right. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Sometimes I just wonder. I'm like, you know, some, do you ever get that where you're just like, oh man, what am I doing? Like, maybe I should have just kept working for somebody and I don't have all these responsibilities and worries, but I don't know. I think
1: it's like th- three times a day, I reckon.
0: That happens,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> oh, what is going on here why did I choose this? oh no this is awesome and then it's like they, they show that um, there's a little meme thing going around on Facebook it's like the um, entrepreneurial roller coaster it's like all the ups and downs and that's just in one day oh one I know rom- one of my friends goes, he's like, oh, it feels like I'm, I'm bloody um, bipolar. He's like, I'm ups and downs, ups and downs, and then it's like, and, and I haven't even had my first coffee yet. You're worried about cash flow, and then this happens, and then you feel great, because you know, whatever happens, <laughs> it's just all over the shop. It's like, you know, no wonder, um you know, so many so many people do stay at a, at a, at a job, because if you go out and try, you're like, actually, you know, <laughs> you must be crazy to be running a business.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. I love the ups and downs, because sometimes I'm like, I'm de- like so depressed, and it was just like, well did i do and my wife's like oh my gosh and and then the next day i'll come home i'm like oh my god this is the greatest company in the world we're <laughs> it's just oh it's <laughs> terrible
1: yeah exactly i think it's most i think most business entrepreneurs have exactly the same thing
0: And when I went into it, I think when it was good, I must have gave this advice when things were going really good because I was talking to somebody who was working a regular job, and they're like, ugh. And I'm like, hey, man, just quit. You can do it. It'll be fine. Just quit. (laughs) And it must have been when things were going really good. Cash flow was probably fine. But now now I tell them, wait, wait. Do your side hustle. And I've heard this on a lot of podcasts. just wait until you can make it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, spot on. I think that's it, you know. And just mentioned before, Gary Vee, He always talks about, you know, he's like, you know, you got your seven pm to two am hustle. It's like build that up, and then once you're, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. once you're ready, then take the leap. Obviously, sometimes it's great to take the leap, and it is, you know, yeah. great, great things come from that. But um, yeah, for most, I think it's you know it's uh, step by step.
0: When I you know finish here at Michigan Creative, I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be one page, and the title is going to be "Don't Do It." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be I don't want to read it but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talking about mistakes, not the mistakes that we started our own company, but we do want to focus on mistakes and the reason why, I don't want to say focus on them, but you know, mistakes to me are something that um are are going to happen in business every day and and if you learn from them and if you only make the same mistake a couple times you're doing all right. So tell us what was your biggest mistake early on and if someone was going to start a business or start a marketing firm, what would you tell them, don't do this?
1: Um, I think the biggest, uh, and it's always hard to say the biggest mistake, because really all things that I've done have got me to the point where I am now. So if I didn't make this mistake, would I still be where I am at the
0: moment? And you don't know if you're going to make a bigger one later on.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the biggest mistake would be having a split focus. So not having a specific focus on what I'm going to achieve and the outcome I want to help generate for people and being too uh, not specific enough because I think when you have you know specificity, yeah. it's a lot more powerful. It's a lot easier to focus and concentrate on versus going, You know, as I said before, like we did the social media management stuff. We'll split all over these different things we wanted to do. When I harnessed in the focus and said we're, split, we're focused specifically on this and I'm gonna make this our thing and we're just gonna go and absolutely smash it then we started getting results before that it was like yeah uh, mediocre mediocre at best but then once we did that then you know it, it, it changed changed things dramatically
0: Yeah. And I think we did the same thing and, and we're getting better at it now, but we're always trying to redefine because, you know, we started with the tag, we changed our tagline like three times, but this one's pretty good that we have now. But what we had in there was, is that we are your marketing department and and full service was a word that we threw out there. And I think a lot of marketing companies do that. Um, and it just doesn't work. It didn't work for us. You can't be everything to everyone. Um, there's just no way, especially in the size that we were. What do you think? If business owners are doing, what do you normally or typically see when somebody hires you? What were some mistakes that they were making um, with social media before they met you?
1: Uh, I'd say the biggest thing is probably having being on a um, a, a one track thing. Like as we talk about, uh, you know, um, the providing content versus asking for the sales. Like some people would either be all in one field or all in the other, where they give all this great, amazing content and they've never ever asked their audience for a sale to register, to jump on their email list, whatever it may be, or only thing that they're putting out there is, hey, buy this, hey, we've got this sale, hey, special on this. Like there's, uh, rarely do we find someone with the balance in between. Um, which is really what's needed. They've kind of been in one field or the other, which we've just gone. Okay, cool. And it's easy for us to point out. It's like, well, number one, either you're not providing value, or number two is you're you You're not asking them to do anything. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you, it's like, it's like the um, uh, what is it? The um, it's a Pavlov's dog. It's like whatever Pavlovian mm-hmm. response you build into them. It's like, hey, just read all my stuff and never do anything. They're never going to do anything. It's like uh, you're gonna you're conditioning them to do the opposite of what you really want to do.
0: Yeah, and I think content marketing sometimes, it's a big buzzword right now, content marketing. It has been for the last couple of years. And so what we see is there's a lot of good content that's out there, maybe, but there's real no call to action. Yep. And and so I think that's kind of what you're trying to say is you've got to have something for them to do or you've got to really have something for them to want. Can, Can you talk about, I was reading something and it really talks about how you find, how a business can really find who their actual clients are, because I think a lot of times what we find is, is that people are saying the right things, but they're just like businesses are saying the right things, but they're saying them to the exact opposite right client.
1: Yeah. And I think again it comes down to it's always and it's probably it's a, not a poor excuse for it, as but it's always <laughs> that kind of muck around. It's like it's always a test. This is always a test and measure to see. But I think the biggest thing um one of the biggest things that helped me get a greater understanding was going through um Eugene Schwartz's in Breakthrough Advertising has that level of awareness with the customers. And I think once you understand like your the level of awareness that people have and how you uh, address the awareness levels of your clients, once you look at that, it's quite simple to go. Okay, cool. Well, actually, our clients are always in this category. So if no, they're in this category, then it's very simple to break down from there who they actually are, where they are, why they're coming to you, and get the more like the demographics, psychographics, and things like that down. But yeah. um, because most people don't pay attention to that component, and I found that to be very, 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 very useful for ourselves, but also for our clients as well.
0: Yeah, and I think when you know some you have a great product or you have a client that comes to you that have have a great product but do you ever find that even though it's a great product maybe no one knows that they need it yet maybe their clients or their customers don't need it that so you have to educate them on why they need that product
1: yeah exactly because they might be their, their marketing it goes out and it's as if it's people that already know what to expect but the general populace who actually need it are those people that are unaware and have no idea what it is or how they need it but you know so that's where the disconnect happens is it's like well you're marketing to someone who you think already knows exactly the features, benefits, outcomes of using your product versus going actually our, our clientele is the people that are unaware so we have to educate them <laughs> right. and, and content and video and whatnot um, you know that's where I see the biggest disconnect for them because they go they haven't done that part properly and then it's... It's just It breaks it down because they're like, oh, no one's buying our stuff or no one likes it. But that's because they, haven't, they don't understand how to effectively convey it yet.
0: And I, I think we have to be careful. As a marketing company, we run into this a lot because we just assume that everybody knows. I think video is a really good example. I just assume that everybody, every business knows, A, they need video. B, <laughs> B they know what type of video they need, what to even call it and see they they know they can afford it because it's not as much as they think and and lastly that once they have it they know what to do with it and all those are wrong because <laughs> the majority yeah. of businesses don't know i just assume because that's all i've lived for 20 years
1: yeah and it's the same like we had the same problem i think it was like the middle of last year we're like wow, when we're telling businesses to use Facebook ads to grow their lead why is no one, like, don't they understand? Like, yeah, like, the that's century? perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, actually, they have no idea that even social media can help get clients. So we have to educate them on that. And it's like you still have a, a small majority of people that know Facebook ads can work. But if they don't know and it's like, oh, okay, it kind of makes sense now why they're not responding to us or not responding effectively when we get them on a call because they actually don't, know the benefit of it or how it can be used
0: right right yeah so we have to watch that so kim what do you have to work on what's your biggest fault and how do you tackle that i know i've got about 17 or 1700 if you talk to my wife but i have to work on them a lot otherwise they become worse Um, so what's your biggest fault
1: um i think
0: You can pick just one, man. It's cool.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I've got—I've probably got a list as well. My girlfriend could give you two lists. Um, She's got a whole
0: list. She sent me a whole list. (laughs)
1: Yeah, she she posts them on every podcast. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Um, I'd probably say, and whilst I'm getting better at that, I think I still still have because of like the entrepreneurial mindset and whatnot, like the somewhat of the shiny object syndrome.
0: That's dangerous, Uh, one. um, Yep.
1: Yeah. So I think that probably is like I've gotten better at addressing it and I've got different strategies now to what I did before to how I actually choose what I'm focusing on and things like that. And just for example, I, I had a client with the same issue the other day and I said, um, this is what I do is I write down all the ideas I have, see which ones are going to be cash generating activities at the moment for the business or perhaps it's you know, a different business idea and then put them onto a like, future action list. So I still feel like I'm doing something towards them, mm-hmm. but I'm actually distracting from what I'm doing at the moment.
0: Yeah, we were doing that a lot. I was doing that a lot. I have that shiny object and it was when in the early stages of Michigan Creative, which I when I didn't know if it's going to work. I still don't. I mean, I'm hoping that it's still working. But it was like, "Hey, well, we could do this and we could start this type of company and we could do this and this would be part of and Melissa, who's my CEO, and basically keeps me in line said, "You know, you already have a company, by the way, <laughs> that you have to run." Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, it's like I had cool, this a couple of cool ideas over the Christmas break, and then my girlfriend's like, "Well, but like, what about what you're doing now?" I was like, "Oh, but yeah, I probably should be." <laughs> yeah, that, there's that
0: company, your social voice. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. I know we have to watch that. I'm getting, trying to get better at that too. So we talked about work life balance a little bit. I I don't love that term because to me, that work life balance is for people that have you know, the regular job where you, you know, you have to really not work as much and it's work life and, and all that. But I think for entrepreneurs, we're working a lot and we could always be working and we're always thinking about work, but are you able to just shut down and and how do you do that? And, and do you even have to do that? Are you still hustling?
1: Um, not really shut down. No. Okay. Uh, I kind of, I'm always like,
0: and is that okay? Are you okay with that?
1: I am like it's good like because I think as well sometimes like I will uh, let's just say uh, over um, over Christmas I had a day, two days where I didn't touch the computer or my phone um, apart wow. from maybe checking time or whatever it would be, may be so that was pretty um, uh, big for me but in that time I had a lot of ideas still come to me for the business and things like that so like way I may have been able to disconnect there it's always still um, running but that did allow me to recharge the batteries because I felt good that I hadn't. Touched mm-hmm. the computer yep. or been on the phone and things like that as well, but also I'm trying to schedule this year especially um more time for doing things like I said like got to make sure I get my gym sessions in yep. or got going to you know b j j my sister um started boxing, so I'm going down to boxing once a once a week in the oh. morning with her oh, that's awesome, I want to
0: sure do that yeah that's great,
1: yeah, making sure i'm scheduling the date night with the girlfriend it's like doesn't matter if we see each other every day it's like still having that time where it's like okay we go out for dinner go watch a movie whatever it may be having that in there um as opposed to just taking it for granted and things like that as well
0: yeah and and i uh, you're probably just like this too but i I always felt and what i'm doing now to to help this problem but but what i always feel like if i'm not working and maybe i'm just sitting or reading a book or watching tv with my wife and family and i feel like well then i'm losing money yeah you know and it's just like well if i lose you know if i don't work this two hours i'm gonna lose you know, whatever it is, let's say it's $275, You know, yeah. <laughs> but, um, what I've been able to do is, you know, we really use Google calendar here at work for everybody and everybody knows my schedule. We know Melissa's schedule and we know our video production team schedule. And so I've been putting on schedule for my personal stuff too. So I took, you know, I wanted to take my son out to, to uh, lunch. It was like three thirty, and and actually put that on the calendar. So it's that it's an event that I'm going to do that's scheduled during the day.
1: Yeah, 100%. I do exactly the same thing, making sure I, I put it in there. So it's like, even if it's like um, every Wednesday night, we my sister, my brother and I will go to our dad's house for a family dinner. So on my calendar, every Wednesday, you know, 6 till 10 or whatever it is, just that night is blocked out for yeah, that's family fun. dinner. So I can never book in anything there. It's always like, it's set and it's always going to happen.
0: Yeah, that was one of the better things that we did. I really like that. So, so we'll talk yeah. about employees and you've talked about your employees a little bit here. And, and I know you use some VAs some too, but employees are our biggest asset. And and for us, they're our biggest expense. But how do you make sure that, you know, I think for us, it's not necessarily getting the right ones. I mean, it is getting the right ones, obviously, too. But it's more about getting people that believe in the vision that, that I have for the company in five years and getting people to, you know, really think about that on a daily basis. So how do you make sure you get those type of people?
1: Um, I think it is hard like it it is hard to find good people to work with and it's like I think it's across the board like every business every industry finds that same thing but I think it's like if people can see that you're genuine and you care about what the outcome is of the company that you create they and they have a similar you know they have a similar thing that they want to do and help people it's easy to buy in like I remember I was listening to um, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk yesterday I was listening to one of his videos and he's talking about how VaynerMedia has a crazy hiring policy and they basically will hire as many people as they, like they've got, you know, tons and tons of employees. Mm-hmm. And like the number one thing is that they, it's like it's built a family. And it's, the culture built is, is a, built around that. And, you know, some of them were getting offers to go and they send him the offer letters. Like we got offered to go and work with these guys for $50,000 a year more, <laughs> but I want to stay with you because of what you're doing and how you're going to, uh, you know, how you want to, how you do things. So I think, you know, when you have that, Um, ability to convey that, but also, you know, bring people in and and buy into it. It's like, it's not just like, I never like to call it my company. Like when I'm talking to all the guys that I work with, I'm like, this is, it's like, it's ours.
0: Yeah. That's what I say to you a lot.
1: So it's like, I don't ever want to like, if it was just for me, like I probably wouldn't do it, you know, if it's it's for everyone else. And it's like, um, to to tie it in, it's like, then we look at, you know, what the vision of the mission, mission of the company is. And it's like, if the vision is big enough that everyone, can buy into it, then I think it's going to build the culture around it that everyone wants to stay and work there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I try to do, I say we a lot too. I mean, it is we now. And, and one of the best things that happened, people think I'm crazy when I say this, but one of the best things that happened to me is we were at a networking event and we were talking, we're like, Hey, we're with Michigan creative. And and they were talking to Melissa and I wasn't around and, um, they were like, well, who's the CEO? (laughs) And they didn't know it was me. And yeah. I was really, really happy about that because then it meant that my people, it was bigger you know, it was bigger than me. What we're trying to do here is much bigger than all of us. And I, I really like that. And, and I like the fact that you're doing it for not only you, but for the greater good of the company, but also for what could that be and what could that look like for the people that work for you.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think as well, there's like a big thing that, um, again, I listened to something that um, Grant Cardone said the other day, and he's like, "Oh, if you're making money just for the money maker, you're going to fail, and you're never going to be that successful." It's like when you have, when it's for, you know, um, for growing the company because it's going to help everyone else achieve what their goals are, and things like that. There's a lot more of an emphasis to to pick up that phone and make that call and get out of the comfort zone because if you're doing something and you're, you're getting a comfortable income, um, then, you know, like you'll you stay there. But when you go, well, actually, I want to make sure that, you know, like Gavin, and everyone has everything that they want to get out of their lives and and, and get what they want to get as well, then it's a lot more powerful than just going like, oh, no, I won't send that email or oh, I won't make that call. I won't do that podcast interview or whatever mm-hmm. it may be.
0: Yeah. And we hear a lot of talk about millennials now too. And, and we have a lot of millennials on staff and, and we hear a lot of people complaining about them, but I really like them. And one of the things that we're trying to work with some of our clients is it's, it's not necessarily that millennials don't want to work or they're not, are not as hardworking or whatever. It's just that I think they want to know that what they're doing at work is going to make a difference somewhere. And yeah. and what they do for that company, and this is true almost every one of our employees, but what they do for that company is going to make a difference beyond just coming into work and sending an email.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's 100% true. Um, yeah, people want to know that they're doing that. They're contributing in some way i think is um yeah very 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 big
0: and i think that's you know i mean if somebody came to me with an offer letter that was 50,000 they probably wouldn't even come to me they would just leave but i, think, <laughs> I could i can see why they'd want to stay working for gary that makes a lot of sense yeah so can so yeah, like, go ahead sorry i
1: was going to say it's just taking that what you know when you have people that with cultures like that it's like hey bring whatever you can from that into into your organization yeah
0: any any little piece that you can do yeah. So, Kim, give us a quote. What's a give me your favorite quote? I love quotes.
1: Well, that's funny because we, we've got it framed in the office. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zig Ziglar is helping people get what they want. You'll get everything you
0: want. Yeah. I heard you talk about that on the podcast and you were talking. One of the things I thought was really cool about you and, and we've learned to do this too. It was hard at first because we were taking anything that we could, you know, any, any amount, any, any business. Yeah, we could absolutely do this. But I like what you said is that uh, people have come to you before and, and, and you realized relatively quickly that maybe you weren't the best person to help them. So rather than going, rather than not saying that and just trying to figure it out, you would just tell them, well, you know what, I'm probably not the best person for you. I think you should probably work with this guy because he's great, and in hopes of either a, they do a really good job with him, and then and then maybe down the road come to you.
1: Yeah, we ha- I had that just before Christmas. We did some work with a company and um, at the start, I thought, no, it's going to be not a problem. We had to knock it, out, knock it out of the park for them. And as we progressed, I thought, I don't know necessarily, like we can still do a good job and uh, or a great job, but whether or not it's going to be the job that's going to help them with, their, with what their company's goals and aspirations are, I wasn't 100% sure. So I said, look, we had a three-month trial period. At the end of the first month, I said, to be honest, I think you're better off uh, working with someone else, and based upon what I know in the industry and in marketing, I think you speak to this person. Did an email intro for them. They had a call. Um, seems to have all gone all gone well there. So um, it was, but it was like a, yeah. it was a handsome sum of money that we turned down. <laughs> right?
0: But, um, yeah. That's what did they say when you said that? What did they say to you?
1: They wanted. They, they kind of made me sell. It's <laughs> funny. They kind of made me sell. Why I? They were kind of. It was like a reverse. Firing and not no firing, but it was like they're like, oh, why should we not why should we, almost like why should we let you go,
0: yeah like yeah like w- don't I, you like us
1: yeah. yeah, it was kind of weird, I was like, we're kind of cool never had, to, never had to explain why I, <laughs> why I want to stop working with someone they were almost I, offended, I, yeah it was it was weird, but I was like I was like, look, this is why I think this is the best um circumstance, you know, I think this will be the best option for you guys for where you want to get to, and yeah, um like uh You guys are awesome don't get me wrong but i think based upon what you want to achieve you're better off speaking with these guys i
0: I think that's a really good lesson and a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that have come on here have said something very similar um and in the fact that they've said you know that they were taking things they probably shouldn't because it just it wasn't really what they wanted to do as a company too were were you kind of like yeah we could do this and, and but it's not going to be really our sweet spot at our company. So we're not only worried about maybe the outcome. I don't even want to say worried. I know you weren't worried. I know you'd probably do a great job, but not necessarily the outcome for that client, but also what it might do to your staff internally by doing something that you weren't quite prepared to do. Yeah. I mean, not that your staff couldn't do it, but you know what I mean? You get those cases where you're like, yeah, you know, like for us, like heavy back end coding, I've got John here, who's great and he can do it. that's really not what i want them to do
1: yeah exactly it's like we like especially for what we when we because we go and do like a a lot of speaking as well and stuff like that too and it's like in for what we portray it's not necessarily like it's still in the zone of what we do and we still do it for some other clients but the way that they were doing it is probably a little bit outside of if we wanted to again keep that focus that narrow narrow focus um slightly outside of that so it's like okay cool well you know yeah long run um, you know, bit of short term pain, but long term, it's going to be better for them, better for us. So cool,
0: yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. So let's talk about the book. You were talking about a book earlier today. Give us a book that we should probably put on our list.
1: Yes, um, the, I don't know I, the the actual one I wanted to mention, I forgot the name of, just briefly. So the actual, the one of the, but it's a very similar book is Scaling Up by Vern Harnish, mm-hmm. um, is ph- phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, and but there was an, there was another one which was. Um, uh, the guy's name, I think, is John warlow I can't remember the name. It's coming to me in little bits and pieces. Um, but anyway, he, so he basically wrote about how it was, a, it was a narrative book, essentially, like a story, but it was based around the pros and cons and things he went with when setting up a business for sale. Okay. Um, and so um, how to set up a business that you would eventually sell down the track. Oh, Built to Sell is what it's called. Built to Sell.
0: Oh, Built to Sell. That's interesting yeah. to me because... I think that's a really cool way to look at it because we're not ready to sell. I mean, there's no way we just started. I mean, that'd be sweet, (laughs) but so if anybody's listening, you want to buy it now, but what you do when you're getting ready to sell that four or five years before you know when you're going to sell, you're really fine tuning your business model to make it look really attractive. But what if you did that now? Exactly. Yeah,
1: that's what we're trying to do. That's why I said, like, the ten-year vision is yeah. for it to, to potentially get an offer for a sale. So that would be okay. Now, what has to happen? What systems? What processes? What you know? How, what documentation do we need to make sure that uh, if that was going to be the case, that you know, even in five years, that would be a potential. When we're just growing, getting getting more revenue or whatever. But you know, yeah. what could we what do we have to do? So that uh, yeah, it just kind of made switched the thinking of um, of this kind of like the startup, the early. Early age business going okay. Cool. If that's what we want to be, we have to have that thinking now.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's really cool. What about apps, technology, software, things that you guys use that you found that's allowing you to automate pieces of your machine? What are some apps that you guys use or software?
1: Best thing that we have internally is Podio. Um, that is just, it just well, it's just so it's crazy good. I love it. Podio is like a man, the project management kind of thing, kind of like. You know, Trello, Basecamp, all that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, just the way we have it set up at the moment, it's just it makes me um, breathe easier when we get a new project on because before it was just all over the shop, and now it's just like ah, it's like easy. Okay, cool. This goes in automatically. These parts happen. Invoices go out. People start working, and it's like mm-hmm. sometimes you haven't even had to touch something, and you just you know you, you see that you've got you know, a client and ads up and running. You're like, oh, that's that's cool. I didn't know we had that. Um, <laughs> And that that just makes me feel yeah, happier and at, at ease, so that's probably the biggest one.
0: Podio, so it's P O D I O? Yep cool. We use uh, something similar to that. It doesn't sound quite as robust, but we use something called Slack and it was one of the best things that we ever did. And the re- one of the reasons was is because we were sending emails back and forth and we're like in an office where we can see each other, <laughs> but we're still, you know, we're sending emails and now it's just like, Hey man, it's on Slack. So don't worry about it. Just go up there and check it out. So we our email internally is really, really cut in half if not 75%.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love Slack as well. Slack is very, um, very, very cool. Yeah, I love that too.
0: So if you could have dinner, um, if you could meet and have dinner with any business owner, who would it be and why?
1: <sighs> I uh, I saw this question. I was kind of weighed up a diff- few different answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of think that it would be cool to have dinner with, um, I think this name's right, Sam Walton from Walmart. Really? Yeah. Um the, I think that's his name. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the reason why um, is just because of like his kind of like, what's the right word? He's like undying relentlessness to want to be the best and just go you know like how you get that and harness that i remember there was a story of him going on holiday with his family i think it was in brazil or in south america somewhere and he was in there measuring the aisles the space between the aisles <laughs> in case that they knew something that he didn't about floor space and things like that and just i think that like relentless uh, ability you know that like i think tony robbins calls it can i you know constant never-ending improvement uh, and obviously he's grown to a yeah, huge huge company i think it would be very cool to kind of like just sit down and pick his brains and yeah see um uh see what he did, why he did and, and things like that. I think it would be very really cool,
0: yeah, and he's done so many things that kind of revolutionize that type of shopping. I mean they're not just little little tiny you know things but just the aisles and the placement and everything else that goes into such a large, successful company like that. I think that would be a very interesting dinner,
1: yeah, definitely,
0: all right, so we got business owners that are listening to us, and they're like, I have no idea how we're doing on social media.' Um, but give them maybe one tip, one thing that they can do tomorrow, they come into work, it's going to be Monday here. What's something that they could do as a business owner that you would suggest that might be a good start for them to take a look at?
1: I think the easiest thing to do is just to find your existing clients, talk to them and ask them, are you on social media? Where are you? Why are you there? How can we better help you on that platform? Um, So like what what content can we give you on that platform? Um, You know, like Ryan Vec wrote an amazing book, Ask, which is all about just connecting and I always tell people whenever I do a presentation, I say, hey, how about you just ask the clients you have already, like why did they choose you and get some insider information like normally most people are willing to help and and show you. I think just go, hey, like why did you guys work with us? You know, are you on Facebook or you're on Twitter? Like, what platforms are you on? And like, what do you want that we can give you? Like, what do you want um, content-wise? You know, that we can help you. You know, we're not going to charge you anything for content. Like, how can we help you better in that regard? And you know, we've done it. A lot of our clients do it, and it just makes it so much simpler and easier to to start getting results when that, when you when you do it that way
0: and I like Ryan Levesque's sort of process of doing that because he's asking not only what do you want, but you know, it really gets down to what what you don't want and what's going to make you click on certain things and, and where they're at. I think that's so valuable, and especially if you have clients that love you, you know, bring them in and buy them lunch or you know, take them somewhere and get them some dinner, and and they would be more than happy to provide that information to you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Definitely that. People are always willing to help so and always answer questions. And, hey, if you get a free coffee or lunch out of it as well, there you go.
0: <laughs> so we need you, social voice, your social voice, and we want to talk to Kim Barrett. How do we do that? What is the best way to get in touch with you or to get started on that process and help them with yeah, their there's social a few, so,
1: uh We've got an um, amazing Facebook community we're building just started. It's called um, K-Bombs with Kim. Um, you know, knowledge bombs or wh- whatever you <laughs> wanna call them though. so <laughs> with Kim is our Facebook group that we've got where um we also started doing something called Facebook Fridays where people can jump on a um live webinar and ask questions for an hour about what's going on in Facebook. Cool. Um should do every Friday and obviously uh Snapchat, uh real Kim Barrett is my uh, uh is my you're gonna name.
0: make me get on Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat yet. Yeah.
1: yeah got to be on there man this has got to be done like, all right snapchat me up as well and obviously yeah i'm always on facebook so again pretty much any platform if you search for real kim barrett you um, you'll find me on there and obviously your social voice is yoursocialvoice.com.au
0: all right not i'll be in the show notes too so last question kim it's a big one what do you think or what do you hope your legacy kim barrett's legacy is going to be
1: um, well, the way like there was always um, and I, I never quite kind of quite got it until I heard someone tell me this quote and then I kind of really resonated with it was there was um, uh, it comes from the, I think it's The Alchemist and also The the Worry of Light by Paul Coelho. It's like a warrior of light who's someone that's like uh, um, 100,000 worries of light will come down and teach the teachers and have amplified reach and I think my the, like the legacy I want to have is like if I personally try to work with a million people, maybe I would get there, maybe not but if I help like you know 100,000 business owners go out there and reach all the people that they want to reach and have an impact on their lives in some way somehow that's going to be absolutely amplified so really like the legacy i want to be is like it's helping it's me having touched you know even if it's only a few people that will then have the ability to go and reach more people is uh is really what i i, I want to do i've even got like a little like, i'm looking at it right now a little poster of that sitting in the office as well do you really yeah
0: i love that So, Kim, uh, I want to thank you so much for your time and expertise on here. I'm sure we'll be talking uh, a lot more. And good luck reaching that $50 million mark in 10 years. And I hope somebody buys it for you sooner. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking. And um, thanks again for being on the business machine.
1: All right. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, everybody, that was Kim Barrett on The Business Machine, and Kim is with your social voice. It'll all be in the show notes. Great guy. Got some great advice, and if you just go on his social medias, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, he's all over the place. Lots of free information on there. He's easy to get a hold of, and that was Kim Barrett, once again, with your social voice all the way from Perth, Australia, and I am Brian Town, the host of The Business Machine. Make sure you check out businessmachine.show and also take a look at michigancreative.com. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you on the other side.